Hello everyone. We are back. Na 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 na. That's pretty much how Chance the Rapper says it, I think. Whatever, we're back. <laughs> Foxworthy Podcast, episode 65. This is a new series. It's finally getting started. Denis 2049. Our massive build-up to Blade Runner 2049. And Sam and I started off this week with Denis Villeneuve's first feature film, August 32nd on Earth. This was pretty fun, although Sam did not watch the movie with English subtitles. So he watched the movie in French completely, and it is an interesting conversation. We broke it down, tried to get some insight into what it meant for the future as we get into our eight-film series here. Next week will be Maelstrom, which is hard to find. Let me know if you find it online somewhere. I am still trying to figure out how exactly we're going to watch it or else I would tell you where to find it. That's about it for that. We've got Survivor coming up in about a month and if you want to read stuff, there's all kinds of stuff on the foxworthypodcast.com. I wrote about Rick and Morty about 2 weeks ago. Uh the podcast Comedy Bang Bang, my new favorite podcast. Uh Daenerys is evil. I wrote about Game of Thrones and I also wrote Does Game of Thrones Think We're Stupid? Put that out yesterday, uh, Monday, August 20th. So read that if you watch Game of Thrones and are also annoyed at the condescension the writers are showing toward us viewers currently. I also wrote about Room 104 on HBO, a super cool anthology show that they started a few weeks back. So there's really tons of stuff to read. We were off last week, Sam and I, mostly I, was away so we uh, had a little vacation break but we're gonna make up for it as we get into this Denis podcast here so yeah that's about it housekeeping where we were where we've been where we're going all the stuff you can read and listen to I've talked about this before but episode 63 we interviewed Joe Del Campo from Survivor that one's good episode 62 is what set us up for this podcast you can always go listen to that episode 60 Sam and I did our top 10 TV performances of all time. And then my personal favorites go way back. Episode 44 with Michelle Schubert and episode 41 with Sunday Burquest. So if you want to get in, get in now. There's all kinds of stuff to go back and listen to. So go do it. Listen to this podcast. This is August 32nd on Earth. The first episode of Denis 2049 of the Fox Podcast. Me, Sam Hensel. Hit it! podcast we're back actually we're just starting this is the new this is the new <laughs> the new run the denis 2049 podcast right sam this is uh del toro's labyrinth i believe is uh the... no wait did you not did you wait did you check twitter the website twitter.com yeah twitter.com slash foxworthy pod no do you guys have a twitter page <laughs> yeah only about only about 40 people know about it but <laughs> but it's there what is there any updates or news yeah, uh, in a record vote tally, <laughs> uh, Denis Villeneuve beat Guillermo del Toro. I think it was 
like eight to six or nine <laughs> to six. <laughs> so fifteen people decided the next two months of our lives. Of hundreds of thousands of people's lives. No, this is episode one of our movie podcast that we previewed a couple weeks ago. We took last week off because we were both traveling actually. Mm. So we're ready. We're gonna make up the ground to make sure we finish everything before greatest trailer of all time, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, turns into a movie. Is that how it works? Trailers yeah. like evolve. It's just a yeah. It's just like a you can watch. You go in and you watch a trailer, and then as you're watching it, it just blows up into a movie. It should be a pretty spectacular sight. Yeah. So we'll keep the Blade Runner comes out October sixth. And we'll keep you posted on which movies you can watch if you want to watch, or if you don't, you can just listen. It doesn't matter, really. You don't but... have to listen if you don't want. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, don't, you might not even be hearing this, but the point is, let's let's get on track. I'm Taylor. I'm Taylor Gaines. This is the Foxworthy Podcast for now, and this is Denis 2049. We got eight Denis Villeneuve movies, and with me on the other line... He'll take Central America, east of St. Lawrence Boulevard, India, New York, <laughs> and Biblos, and I'll take the rest of the planet. It's Sam Hensel. Is that a reference I should understand? Oh wait, did you not did you not hear the words in this movie or what? I don't speak French, so no, I don't understand. <laughs> Is there any other way to watch a movie other than it's a native language? So for anyone who's interested, Denis Villeneuve's first movie <laughs> is August thirty second on Earth. Or if you're watching like I did, Un thirty two out surtere. I'm sure you pronounced that well. came out in 1998, and the problem is it's available in two places. On YouTube in 240p with no subtitles, or on iTunes, which was difficult to rent, but I ended up figuring out, and then I was able to watch it with subtitles. So, <laughs> so there's a, a definite incongruity between the viewing experiences here. Because I went to iTunes first, discovered that, because I accidentally temporarily lost my wallet last week, don't have a functioning debit card, so I cannot pay for the movie. So unless it was free, which it is not, on iTunes, I had to go to the website YouTube and find it there. And yeah, what so, the so to be clear, I watched the movie with English subtitles, and Sam just watched it in French. So I'm interested yes. to see <laughs> what he thinks this movie was about. He's a lot of context clues. A lot of physical action. Just had to watch what they were doing. Yeah, it wasn't really action-packed, so there was a good bit of talking. It was almost exclusively talking, yeah. Yeah, so I guess all you need to know is it's about an hour and a half long. It's about a woman. I'll just read the IMDb description as, as people like to do. People like that, right? Young Simone is involved in a near-fatal car crash, and as she questions her mortality, she also decides to have a baby. Holy crap. <laughs> Did you miss that part? <laughs> I did not catch that part at all. She never, she never rubs her stomach like this, so I have no idea that she's... <laughs> her her <laughs> candidate for a father is her best friend, Philip, who happens to be seeing someone. He agrees as long as they conceive in Salt Lake City in the desert, <laughs> the, <laughs> which I'm sure is a part you did not understand. The trip teaches many lessons about love, solitude, and self-discovery. Actually, the part where they go to Salt Lake City is the only part I did understand. Because there's two or three three-minute scenes in English, because the, 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 the characters in the movie can speak English, they just choose not to. They refuse to. <laughs> they refuse to, and so, unless they're talking to poor, lowly Americans. 
So I did understand where they went to Salt Lake City. The grasp I got on the movie was, from not really listening, but watching as intently as I could, was woman has near-fatal car crash. I got that part right. Goes to the hospital. Nobody's there to pick her up. So she's like, man, I don't really have any friends. I should go where I've always wanted to go, which is Salt Lake City, Utah, desert. And so she enlists her friend. And I did, Philippe, I did gather that he had a girlfriend. I think you were, she was you were so close. I mean, we'll get into this later yeah. when we talk about the plot. Yes. But they did have a long conversation after her near-death car accident yeah. where she in said... In the longest alleyway of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really rivaled the runway in Fast 6. In Fast, yeah. Uh, that's all I could... I mean, those the two movies are very similar. Yeah, shot but for sure. That conversation was mostly about her after her near-death near experience saying, I want to have a kid, you know, because anytime any woman has a near-death experience, they realize that their only worth in life is to reproduce. Exactly. So they <laughs> have that conversation. And she's like... You're my best friend. I want you to help me conceive this child. And he has a girlfriend, so he's like, "No, that's crazy." But you know, this is a large this is a large conflict in the movie. It's sort of a guy who's been friend zoned basically. Like he has a huge crush on this girl, and he convinces himself, "Oh, you know what? I will go, and I'm going to tell her how I really feel." And originally, that's why they go to her apartment at the beginning is they're going to just do it. Yeah. But he's like. I- jokingly he's like i'll only do it if we do it in a desert and then she of course responds seriously humor, <laughs> she she of course responds seriously and pulls out a map and is like let's go to salt lake city and then things proceed so you might have not totally understood why they were going to salt lake city but right. they did go to salt lake city and i did understand that so before we talk about the plot uh, and get into all that stuff i will just give you a little background catch you up to what I could find about how Dean, uh, there's number one. We count how many times I can't say his name. I Denis always Villeneuve. <laughs> how he wound up here. This is what I found in the Toronto Sun, I believe, from years back. He studied science, and obviously nothing before college counts, so forget all that. He right. studied science at the University of Quebec in Montreal before quitting school in his mid twenties to pursue. Filmmaking. Guess what his favorite movie of all time is? Uh, Jaws 3. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Closer. Oh, oh, I know this one. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> didn't take, took Third three guesses. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey is apparently his favorite movie. Yeah, he made this movie in 1998, followed it up shortly thereafter with Maelstrom, which we'll get to next. But as far as this movie goes, there's not a lot of information about it on the internet because (laughs) it's i guess because we americans only care about what happens here but yeah he's french canadian i think he was born in montreal and what is he 47 i gotta get that right 49 we'll we'll know this very well by the end actually he turns 50 on october 3rd three days before blade runner comes out he was born in quebec sorry blade runner 2050 Anyway, so this movie stars two, I don't know, French-Canadian people. Pascal Boussirier and Alexis Martin. And the the guy actually won Best Actor at a Canadian film festival for this. Wow. So that's about all the context the I guys. have for this movie. There's more as we go on with the more popular movies, but that's all I got. A lot of fun trivia. Fun. Super Alexis fun. Martin is the boy. And Pasquale Boutier is 
is the girl for mental pictures. Anyway, so let's get into it. That's Denis. That's August 32nd on Earth. Before we talk about the plot, just in case people really want to watch it and not hear what happens, what did you think about this movie in the context of seeing Denis Villeneuve movies in the late 2000s, early 2010s, and kind of what you saw just as a young filmmaker? This was his first feature film, and I don't know, what, what stuck out to you? Well, actually, not, not, even not knowing the words. Yeah, it, well, it helped me really study the visual aspects of it by not understanding literally anything that was going on. But it was actually like surprisingly professionally done for someone who's making their first feature movie. Like when I, in the beginning, the quick cuts and sort of jumpy action between one scene to the next was very almost Edgar Wright sort of style, which I was surprised that like this French Canadian scientist upstart, this is his first movie and he's already kind of understanding how film language works and, and, and knows it really well and is implementing it super well. Right, like the opening to... scene is like three shots that happen like a second each and you totally understand what's happening instantly. Yeah. It's like headlight, yes. person driving, person falling asleep, like cut to credit, opening yeah, title, right? See, yeah, I could see in lesser hands this movie being like a two and a half hour movie where it just drags out things that we don't need to have dragged out. And honestly, I don't know what conversations were dragged out. Uh, but as far as action goes, it was like boom, boom, boom. And it was clean cut and well done. So I, on first watch, at first glance, he seems like somebody who was destined to be pretty good. And maybe it's easy to say that in retrospect, knowing that he's a great director now. But he, it's like a pretty well-made movie for 1998 French-Canadian movie. I don't, I'm not really into 1998 French-Canadian cinema lore or anything like that. I, couldn't even, I don't even know what else to compare it to, but... <laughs> It's not as uh, loose or improv improvised as I see in other more French style movies. Improvised. Improvised, yeah. Yeah. It's the <laughs> past tense of imp- improvised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what stuck out to me actually, as someone who's watched the Blade Runner trailer twenty or four hundred times, was the fact that he's always been really good at composing wide shots of people walking and <laughs> like people in. <laughs> vast settings like you mentioned the salt lake city desert stuff and there's some really beautiful yeah they're one good way overhead shot of them walking slowly and talking yeah that's a really good one one of my favorites actually was just a part where the camera doesn't even move i actually timed it when i was watching it because it was probably my favorite scene in the movie and i probably not yours because they didn't really speak english but although there weren't a lot of words in the scene but it, there was a two minute and 44 second stretch where it's just them sitting next to each other in the sand sort of mm-hmm. contemplating yeah and yeah it was just really cool it, it was a nice uh he just made the desert look really beautiful and he did that a couple times even in this movie which is sort of a small movie it's not like blade runner but there's yeah. a scene where she's like walking in front of like a power plant like walking down the street yes and he just always seemed to have a knack for those kind of establishing shots. But what struck me, too, was the balance in this particular movie of those big, wide images with tight human conversation in a way that sort of really made me feel connected with the characters. There's a sequence towards the end of the movie that takes place in like a little spaceship-sized hotel room that was also really powerful and like provided a good contrast to all that. Yeah, they go from this huge open desert to being extremely constricted and 
and claustrophobic. Yeah, that probably must have been pretty cool to watch, actually, without the sound. Like, oh, something's happening here. I, I can tell he's yes, going for something. I feel smaller in here. <laughs> um, I liked that the movie almost, to me, seemed like he was just like, he was watching TV and was like, wow, the desert in America seems awesome. I'm going to make a movie where they somehow get there. It seemed like the, he, he wrote down Salt Lake City Desert and then wrote a movie around it. That, but, I mean, that could be true because the plot of this movie is strange. We'll get to that in a minute. But everything, like you said, it just seemed like really... The jump cuts were like jarring a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the the most jarring thing to me was there's a sequence towards the beginning of the movie where Alexis Martin, the guy who plays Philip, breaks the fourth wall twice in one scene. And the first time he did it, I backed it up and I was like, was that on purpose? I mean, he definitely looked at the camera, like acknowledging the camera was there. And then later in the scene... I don't know if you remember this specifically, but she walks out of her apartment and he just stops and looks at the camera for like a second. And I was like, okay, he's definitely looking at the camera. Yeah. And then nothing else fourth wall like happened to the rest of the movie. It was really strange. <laughs> oh, I love that. I would have appreciated a little bit of a, a, a winky, naughty kind of movie if they were just like, he's like, hey, I know you don't, and I don't get what's going on here, but I'm here for you. I'm here with you. <laughs> this movie also really made me want to get into french canadian rock music or whatever they were playing i, I really yeah, liked the it sounds like james brown kind of there's like one song that played like three times in the movie he also did have a really interesting way of communicating visually just some things that speaking of breaking the fourth wall kind of made it feel like he was winking at me the thing that stuck out to me was and you might not have got this the first time because you didn't really know why they went to Salt Lake City, but they get there and they're riding in the taxi out to the desert and their plan is to go, what's the G-rated? Their plan is to go make love in the middle of the desert. Uh, They're very disappointed that there are no dunes anywhere, so they end up not doing it. But as they're driving out, the taxi driver drives towards the end of the long stretch of road and the camera goes way out on top and the road... (laughs) It had to be intentional. The road had a very phallic shape. Sure, yeah. And I was I was kind of laughing to myself because I was like, oh, this is like kind of on the nose, but also kind of funny. What? Okay, so I keep um, going back and wondering if there's certain things I miss visually about it being obvious that she was pregnant. So we're watching. She like, wasn't pregnant. Or she, she wants to get pregnant. She, she wanted to get pregnant. So does the doctor tell her something when when she first goes to the hospital <laughs> in the beginning? Does he say, like, hey, you should hurry up and, and plant something in there because you're running out of time on your egg machine? I wish that he did, but no. He he just tells her that she probably had a concussion in her car accident and she's going to have problems with memory, short-term memory in particular. Oh, interesting. And he says, for example, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm a doctor. I was born in India. And then he pauses and he says, what was my name? And she doesn't remember. So it's kind of just like a little, a, kind of a joke. So I can use that excuse if I ever forget somebody's name that I just met. That you had a concussion? I just had a tragic car accident. I had a concussion. I don't remember what country in India you're from or what city because India is its own country or what your name is. My favorite yeah. shot of the movie, by the way, they're in the airport. I can't remember if they're leaving or coming to Salt Lake City, but the guy is standing at the end and the camera just kind of rides a dolly on in towards him. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That was really cool. There was a couple moments where I was like, you can sort of see where this is going. And as far as Denis Villeneuve filmography goes, that is my biggest takeaway was that I'm not sure how this movie was received at the time. There's not like a Rotten Tomatoes score for it or anything, but 
it is interesting in retrospect to see that this is sort of just like a good human movie with just two characters, but you can sort of see the potential that he's got and get an idea for what's coming. That's kind of my big takeaway. Yeah, there's so, there's little little glints, little flints of like film mastery kind of. Uh, what my probably probably my favorite shot is when they get out of the cab and they're walking away from the cab driver and it, like I guess they use the crane or something, but it, it pans like starts looking at the cabbie and he like it like pulls away behind him and then he fits he like fits very perfectly in this this little arrangement of people as they're walking away and the cab driver is sitting next to his car and it's like a perfect I don't know if it's signifying anything anything like that but it was like a, a beautiful arrangement of, of objects and people that was like man that was just a perfect shot now it probably took a million times to shoot it and it's good thing they're in the desert which probably makes for a great shooting location but it ended up really precise and that I liked that I definitely wondered a couple times, like, there's the shot from above with the taxi riding across the desert. I wondered if they had actually gone to the desert or if they had just put a little toy car on a white piece of construction paper yes. and just, like, pushed it across. Because it really was so small that it could have been anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a shot in uh, Wet Hot American Summer, the new season, small plug for that, um, where... They're like, oh my gosh, the president's here or something. And like, they look up and they're all looking up at a helicopter and they cut to it and it's like government footage of the huge watermark of a helicopter flying in the day and is at night or whatever. That was like, this is a helicopter flying. Very well. <laughs> a similar thing happens in this movie, actually. There's a point where they're sitting in the desert at the tail end of that two minute, 44 second scene that I mentioned, where mm-hmm. she points at the sky and says, look, a UFO. And well, the, the, the shot cuts to blue sky and then back to them, and I I rewound it like three times, and I was like, I think they're just showing blue sky. <laughs> like, I literally didn't see anything, and I was wondering if a similar thing happened where they were like, oh, just forget, remember to add in like a UFO-looking thing in post, and no, then got, nothing was there. It was very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you know what my actual favorite part of this movie was? And I, probably the point I was the most confused. They're on the side of the desert or something. And they have an argument, and she runs out into the wilderness or whatever, and she stops to. Oh God! Okay. The restroom. <laughs> okay. And she let's, runs... let's, okay. Let's just let's ra- let's put a bow on our big picture conversation so we can get into yeah. the plot because yes, um, there's a lot of weird plot stuff in this movie, and if you really don't want spoilers for some reason, then you can just I had stop twenty listening. years to watch this movie. <laughs> Here, we'll we'll wait. Go go watch it. All right, that was probably enough time. Yeah. So go on. So here's what here's what I saw happen. So they're on the side that they're walking. They chose to the cabbie abandoned them or whatever. Or he said, "I'll be back in two hours, but he, with you need to pay me five hundred dollars something." So they decided to walk out of the desert. Um, they're walking along the side of the road. Nobody's picking him up. And I'm guessing the heat or whatever gets to them and they start fighting. And she decides, "I'm going to run out into the into the desert and whatever." So she runs out and she gets probably 50 feet away from the road, definitely within eyesight, and starts peeing. I guess she had to pee. And mid-pee, she looks up at something she should have seen as soon as she walked up, but just now sees it for the first time. She never really breaks up eye contact from that area, but sees it, pulls up her pants or whatever, and starts running in the other direction. He comes out and sees it, and it's this just completely charred, roasted dead body. In handcuffs. In handcuffs, yeah. It was like a prisoner escaped and then got torched by some UFO light beam or something. I think he's wearing sandals and just is completely blackened by it. And then they go and report the dead body to the police on the phone, on a payphone. 
And the police are like, what are you talking about? And they're like, ah, we tried hard enough. And I hang up the phone and move on. That's it. <laughs> so like, that's by far the most interesting twist in the movie. And they're like, I don't know what goes on in France. I don't know how often they find dead bodies in French Canada, in Montreal or whatever. But if I see a, if I see a dude roasted in the middle of the desert, that's going to be my whole day. <laughs> they just spend like 10 <laughs> seconds on it. They're like, ah, whatever. We do well, what we this, is, this is something I want to talk about because there's that kind of surreal like unexpected oh here's a dead body thing and then the movie is called august 32nd and proceeds to run until august 35th no sorry august 36th before turning to september based off of one of those things will like introduce a scene with a with a here's today's date kind of thing yeah and they do. They start on August thirty second or first or something. I think it starts on August thirty first. Yeah, and they go all the way to August thirty sixth or fifth, and then they jump to September first. So she wakes up in her car on August thirty second, basically after her accident. Mm-hmm. And there's, in my mind, <laughs> there's a question of maybe she died, and that's why the yeah. calendar keeps going. Yeah. And then there's surreal there's like the stuff like that in the movie with the dead body out in the middle of the desert and there was a line that she says when they're walking on the highway it's like oh we might as well be ghosts they see right through us and there was the ufo thing that i mentioned which was strange and it it was only like that it was like three or four things that were sort of mystical or sci-fi-ish but like on such a light level that oh maybe maybe not maybe everything's just completely normal it was yeah. almost like they i don't know i was confused by it it's like they didn't commit to just being weird yeah it's almost like they were trying to go for that fargo thing where all of a sudden a ufo comes in the middle of a big fight or whatever but they didn't even, they weren't even willing to commit to that like would this movie call itself a sci-fi probably not right Drama romance is what IMDb would call it. I wouldn't even call it a sci-fi movie having having watched it. It's just there was these things that hinted at it potentially becoming a sci-fi movie, but there was never a twist. I guess the twist was that it ended up just being human at the end. For for what it's worth, if it makes you feel better, she did say we can't leave him when they oh, found the dead body. So there you go. <laughs> Write that off. Write that yeah. off. They're human. They have empathy and humanity. That's good. But the plot, okay. Yeah, let's talk the, about that. Let's talk about the plot, because I know you might not have totally understood it, but the plot is odd. The The writing is definitely the weakest part of this movie. There's some interesting lines in the movie. Like, I wrote down some stuff that I thought was relatively profound. There, there, was, some, there was some cool stuff. Like, she says, no one's eternally eternal. That's a fun line. Yeah, I wish I understand it. Context. <laughs> And when they're in the desert, she says, this place doesn't turn me on. That's great stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, she does have one line towards the end. Actually, sorry, this was him because she was like, oh, you're going to become a doctor. That's great. You've done so many, you've studied so many different things and like, you're so smart. And he's like, the more I know, the more I doubt, the world makes less and less sense, which I thought was kind of profound. I feel like the world does have a way of when you overcomplicate it and learn a bunch of stuff. It just actually gets to be kind of confusing. Yeah. That was kind of cool. And 
there was a few things like that. But the thing about this movie is that the mechanics of the plot were very odd and kind of contrived. Like, I mean, the very basic premise of my friend wants me to go make love to her so she can get pregnant in a desert is, like, really flimsy. I think the actors were compelling and good enough that I was sort of into it. Yeah. But I can it was see weird. The, my, my biggest complaint is at the end of the movie, he writes her a letter saying, listen, you're a tease and I'm in love with you. Please don't ever see me again because I can't take it. And that's when he says the line I was referencing before. He tells her that she, he will take Central America, east of St. Lawrence Boulevard, India, New York, and Biblos or whatever. And she can have the rest of the planet. Just don't go to those four places so that he doesn't have to see her. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah. Uh, and when she's sitting at his bedside in his coma, she says, I think we need to maybe negotiate uh, our terms a little bit. Anyway, so the thing that bothers me is the way that he gets into a coma. Because they go on this journey. They get a lot closer. And also he's like, I can't do this anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All, that, all that stuff. But then he sends her the letter. He calls her and she says, come over. And right as he's about to come over... He's on his way to her house when this happens. Yeah. When the Tokyo Drifters show up. Yeah. So something happens that I have never seen in America and I did not understand. He's on the phone and you hear like cars screeching in the background. You're like, hmm, is this like a callback to her getting in a car accident at the beginning? Are we actually going to find out that she's been dead the whole time? But it turns out it's just some hooligans riding around in a car, drifting all around Montreal late at night with literally no one else on the road anywhere. Yeah. And then they do a couple donuts right in front of him as he's standing on the sidewalk and drive away. Then for some reason, he walks out into the road and like smells the tire tracks. I have no idea why that happened. But then for a reason that I really don't know why it happened, the kids come back and then get out of the car and just beat the hell out of him for no reason. <laughs> he, he doesn't say anything to provoke him. As far as <laughs> and, then, and then he ends up in a coma, a yeah. state in which he ends the movie, yeah. and is also the setup for the big like emotional scene where she sits at his bedside and is like, oh, stay with me. And then she, she, I will tell you, she does say, I want you to keep your eyes shut because I'm going to make love to you right now. And I was like, wait, oh. what? <laughs> He's not even gonna know. He's gonna wake up with a kid. <laughs> but regardless, the setup for that being like that needing to happen so they could have the big emotional scene at the end made so little sense. Uh, like just to have people come beat the crap out of him for no reason was so weird. And there was a few things like that in the movie where I was like, okay. And I, I actually don't know if he's gotten a lot better at this because Arrival has some issues with this too. But. Sometimes things just happen so he can get to the point that he wants to get to, and it's it's just kind of distracting. Yeah. What was the point of this movie, though? What was the point he got to by putting him in a coma? That she appreciated what he meant to her, and she decided to be with him anyway. Does she? Because it looks like she's trying to have sex with him while he's in the coma instead of waiting until he comes out and saying, hey, I like you. <laughs> well, she it's walks in and tells sick. the nurse that she's uh, his girlfriend, and... Uh-huh. She has a long monologue about, your letter was so beautiful. And she has one of those, you know, flirty, uh, he's in a coma, so, you know. But she says, you bastard, I've always wanted to go to India, because that's, like, the place that he said she couldn't go. You know. So. (laughs) It was a nice, the movie made me feel warm. It was a nice movie. Yeah. 
The dude's in a coma. And did you notice this, by the way, that, that they seem to have some issues translating from French to English? Because there was a sign for the little Japanese-style shuttle hotel room yes. that they go to stay in. And it says on it, in English, but in, I believe, incorrect English, experiment Japanese-style comfort. That's hilarious. So experience. <laughs> I'm Jack. pretty sure it was supposed to say experience, but it, I, experiment look, I, I paused it. It definitely said experiment. It worked. Experiment works for me. Experiment like out. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it was meant to say that. <laughs> but I really enjoyed this. Oh, oh, there's also a good American food joke that I feel like we would get if we were not American, where they're in the airport and they're like, "Should we eat something?" And he goes, "All they have is chicken and barbecue stuff here." Oh man. Which is a joke that I imagine just <laughs> yes! killed in the <laughs> yeah. Every time I go to America, that's how it is. <laughs> I can't name a single non chicken or non barbecue restaurant in America. But I'm a sucker for these kinds of stories usually. Like my favorite character in Lame is is the girl who is pining after the guy hopelessly because she's like always had a crush on him and he falls in love with another girl in like two seconds because he's an idiot. Eponine. Yeah. So, like, I'm kind of a sucker for, like, this guy who's had a crush on this girl. I'm, like, into those kind of stories. I, I enjoy those. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, and it was it had some nice moments. I really liked the entire sequence in that little hotel room. That was great. And they had a, a really nice couple exchanges in there. And then there's an amazing moment. And this was what I was talking about a little bit when I feel like he he does a good job of throwing in, like, these little human moments that just kind of make you smile. <laughs> Sure. When the guy is sitting there and he decides to pretend he is in a spaceship and he just starts rolling around and going, boop. Yeah, so as soon as she walks out, and boop. he's like, it's your <laughs> And that was definitely my favorite scene in the movie, oh, but it was just a really nice movie. Like, this wasn't a bad movie and it wasn't a great movie. It was just like a good movie. It was a really good movie for a first movie. Yeah. Um, because I would actually probably watch it again if, if, uh, if it came down to it because... I just liked a lot of things about it. But, you know, like we said, positives, negatives, it's a good start. It's a good place to yeah, start. Yeah, I'm excited. Maelstrom also, not in English, the next one. Also about a woman crashing her car, as far as yeah. I understand. So I can't wait to... This time I'm going to find something. I'm going to find a platform in which, or on which, I can watch this and be on the same page as everyone else, hopefully. Yeah, this one IMDb says, after plunging her car into a river... A woman encounters a man who helps her come to terms with their life. That sounds like the exact same movie. <laughs> to you, yeah. I think Denis was like, I really just want to perfect the genre of women who crash their cars. And then after he did, he took nine years off making movies. Yeah. He said, I think I perfected it. And he said, wait a second. Sicario. Emily Blunt crashes a car in that movie. Wait a second. You know that most famous sci-fi movie of all time? I need to... Well, I, okay, maybe Space Odyssey is, but Blade Runner is what I was referencing. Yeah. You know that movie? I need to build myself up to the point where I can remake that movie and not have people question it. That's right. Question the, it is my, just another piece of IP. Yeah. Anyway, that's about all I got on this movie. He so, takes, what? He takes from August 32nd on Earth to Blade Runner 2049. And what a yeah. journey will take between those two movies. Yeah, what... This is the commencement of that journey. We're st 1998, August 32nd on Earth. Get ready for the next one. It's Maelstrom. 
came out no. in 2000, <laughs> so people can go watch that. No I one? will tell you that, according to Google, Maelstrom is available... Oh, <laughs> so, if you Google Maelstrom, the definition for Maelstrom is the first thing that comes up. It's a no, whirlpool it's... or storm. Oh, that's but cool. the movie is an hour 28 minutes. It appears to be available nowhere, according to Google. Unhelpful. But we'll find it. We'll watch it somehow, I think. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it's an or We'll be back for that one, and then... A few more. And we might have a surprise one in the mix also before 2049. So stay tuned. That's Can't all my thoughts on August 32nd. You got anything else? I'm sure I'll have more. Can't stop thinking about this movie. <laughs> no. You know what I thought? They, they, he really likes the color yellow in this movie. Do you notice that? She's always wearing yellow. All right, that's all. <laughs> Good observation. Thank you. I also noticed that the sand was white. That's a great point. And sand is often more of a yellowish color. That's probably because there's salt, not sand. Salt Lake City. Salt flat. It was a salt flat. Wow. I hope you made it to the end because we're really breaking it down here. (laughs) All the treats are here at the end. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, this is the beginning of Denis 2049. I guess you could say we started in, what, 2040? 2041. Yeah, yeah, this is Denis 2041. Not 2040, because we're going to have this. We're going to see. Well, we'll call it Fair enough. Whatever. If we get the numbers wrong, we'll fix it in post. Fix it in post. (laughs) All right, Sam. Come again, everyone. We'll be back soon. We've got more podcasts coming with Survivor starting, too. Got stuff all over the website. We'll have something about August 32nd, I think, later. So stay tuned for that. And a dead body in a desert somewhere. We'll be going to Salt Lake City doing our next episode. We're going to do every episode live from the scene of where these movies were filmed. I can't wait to do Arrival. (laughs) I can't wait to do Blade Runner. (laughs) That takes place on another planet, doesn't it? I don't don't remember. Okay. I'm getting out of here before I make myself sound even stupider. Stay tuned. Bye. Enjoy. Uh, Play the music, please, now. Foxworthy Podcast.